It was all a dream. Ah, uh, maybe. But when I woke up this morning, I really did think this was all a dream. That lasted for about five seconds. Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. Break out your pen, pencils, and notebooks because we're all going to school. More on that later. But first, how's it going? Tell us about your experience. That's right. We have a hotline and we'll play your messages on our show. Call 505-218-7084 or email us at yournmgov at gmail.com. Homeschool, homeschool, homeschool. That's the theme for today. Many states have shut down their in-person education system, giving way to online education and classes. This leaves parents who are either working at home or even just at home because they're out of work as the primary educators for their kids. They're finding that the task of managing education for their children is not an easy one. Today, I talked to four parents of kids who are no longer attending school. I speak with a high school counselor who has tips on how to talk to young people about the pandemic and our changing reality. And I also speak with the director of family and community services in Albuquerque. That's on the syllabus for today. But first, YNMG executive producer Marisa DeMarco is here with a quick rundown of what we know as of today, Wednesday, March 25th, 5 p.m. Ventilators are in high demand around the country, and they're key in saving the lives of some people who contract the coronavirus. But there's a shortage in hospitals, according to The New York Times, and private companies, even automakers and software firms, are rushing to figure out how to manufacture them. Some national experts want President Trump to seize control of the existing ventilator supply, shipping them to where they're most needed in the country, then redistributing them as the virus shifts. The U.S. Senate is still grappling with the emergency relief bill as I record this, but is trying to get a vote together tonight. New Mexico saw its first COVID-related death today, too, according to DOH. The man from Eddy County was 70 years old, airlifted to Artesia General Hospital, but died the same day. There are 112 confirmed cases of the virus in New Mexico today, according to the state. One cropped up in the public defender's office in Santa Fe, which closed its doors. Those staffers there are continuing to work from home. This morning, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham prohibited non-essential health services, defined as anything that can be delayed for three months without creating a problem for a patient. The idea, according to a news release, is to slow the state's use of personal protective gear. She ordered health care providers in New Mexico to report their inventory of that gear. She also made it so wholesalers have to check with the state's Department of Health before selling or moving personal protective gear. For your New Mexico government, I'm Marisa DeMarco. School is out, but it's not the summer vacation. Parents are now in charge of their children's education, and it is causing a few stresses at home. From classwork to missed social time, students and parents are feeling the burden. I decided to reach out to some parents of school-aged kids to see what their experience has been. We're doing really well. The kids are finding incredibly creative ways to entertain themselves, and there are TikTok videos left and right in my my uh, extended family actually had their first cocktail hour on Zoom last night, and we're, we're doing well. My garden is abundant and flourishing because I'm out there every chance I get to keep my own peats. We're doing well. I think we're doing pretty, pretty well. All right, we just got the little alert on our phones about staying inside, and we're kind of like, wait, can we not go on hikes? And I think we got, all kind of got a little worried on that. Um, I still don't know the answer. 
but I think we're doing fairly well, like trying to balance like, you know, some school with some play and some family watching TV and some bike rides and hikes and discovering new things. Chad and I started a puzzle and we seem to be engrossed in that, you know? So like I said, just balancing things out. I think we're doing well. She brought home a puzzle, like a thousand piece puzzle. And I looked at it, I was like, I haven't done a puzzle in like over 30 years. And so, but now we're completely into it. I asked one of the parents, what are they doing with their kids to kind of encourage a little bit more family time? Family dinner and a movie night and the kids, you know, often resist that kind of thing. It's it's kind of a rule now. It's like, no, no, we're going to get together and have dinner and watch a movie or something, some some form of, of, of social interaction. So what type of schedule do you all have? Are you finding this transition from having them at school to learning at home smooth? What type of schedule are you working on? Yep, 8 to 12 is breakfast and study. 12 is lunch and break. And then afternoon is outside. And they can get on their games and other stuff online um, after dinner. All right, that sounds good to have a nice, tight schedule. But what about the rollout of your kids' education? What are the schools doing to make sure that they can continue to work on their curriculum while they're at home? So we have different, so me being with APS, um, right now we can't give students any assignments. We can give them work to keep them engaged, but we, don't, we can't grade anything. Okay. Um, so if they want to do it, they want, they can. If they don't want to do it, they they don't have to at this point. Um, and we're still pretty much waiting for protocol to see what we're going to do. Are we going to continue? If we're going to be out for the rest of the, of the year, are we going to um, continue with online courses? But then there's that big, you know, there's that big population that do not have access to computers. So do we just, you know, do handouts for them? How do we get them? You know, we, I have, 170 students, you know, how to, to contact everybody and to figure out how many, you know, assignments I need to hand out. How are they going to get them? Like that's the, there's, there's that we have to look at too. Yeah. Yeah. Like the logistics of getting all that done. So the three are in three different schools. One is in private school and they just started on Monday doing four hours a day of zoom classes. And one is in a charter school And they are using Google platform for assignments. And then the other is in regular public school. And probably, as you know, that has not been sorted out quite yet. So we've just been using the resources that APS shared. And uh, he's been picking his own study. But we still have him do study time in the mornings when the other kids are doing theirs. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. And Jim. Now, uh, let me ask you, Melita, you're an APS teacher. Does that, do you feel like that gives you a little bit, obviously it gives you an advantage in setting up online classes and coursework to, and setting up a schedule for the kids now that they're out of school? Do you fe- feel like that's really benefited you? So at first I would have said yes, but late, the last few days I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm a teacher. I do this for a living. My, my students always come, comment on how organized I am. And with my daughter, she doesn't care that I'm a teacher. She's just she's like, you're still mom. And so I have to use that. That's a battle. Okay. That's a battle as well. As far as like knowing where to go, resources, that, that part, I do feel like I have a little bit of an advantage over. But I think we're getting so many resources 
like on Facebook and the teachers are like her teacher sending a lot of information now. And I think you can just pick and choose what you like. Okay. Because just to keep the kids engaged somewhat. All right. So for middle and high school age students, the social activities, be it sports, clubs, extracurricular activities have been put on hold. How is that affecting your child? What are you all doing to supplement that? Yeah, that's a tough one because even with social media, you still got to hang out. You still got to have social time amongst your peers. You got to have some social time. And so the, the phone can keep you in touch, but it's not the same thing. And so I've tried to limit a little bit of the phone use even still, but, uh, you know, around the house. But I, I, I think that's the biggest challenge. The, the kids missing their social time, the hallways, you know, hanging out after class and, and after school. That kind of stuff is definitely the big, the biggest hit, I think, to, to the teenagers here, the kids. So they're all super active in, in extracurriculars. Two of them are stellar athletes. Um, and so that's been really hard. You know, flag football season is over. Um, they are not in their practices like they normally would be, you know, one of them is deathly afraid that he's going to lose his muscle mass. Okay. So he's working on, you know, making sure that he stays in shape. Um, and then the other, you know, my other Tenzin is super involved in theater and musical performance. Um, so he's actually been doing Zoom classes and he's working on monologues. They've shifted his theater program so that they can... Uh, you know, be working on stuff individually. He's pretty upset. I mean, yeah, he's a sophomore, and he worked from last season to this season, worked pretty hard over the summer and the fall, worked to the point where he was able to earn a spot starting on starting a shortstop on the baseball team. And not only that, this was supposed to be a, a special year for them. They, uh, they had kind of eyeballed this season pretty much going back a couple of years. You know they had always had young teams, and now they were at that point where they were they were they were going to go pretty far, if not if not win the whole thing. And <laughs> you know that's not necessarily dad speak, but they had a really good shot. I wanted to get the reactions of the parents and their kids when they found out that school would be shut down for the foreseeable future. Um, well, I think the first initial reaction was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> You know, for us, our son was already on spring break, and he goes to uh, Sandia Prep. They were on a two-week spring break already, so um, there really wasn't much disruption with him. You know, with our daughter being an APS, we were fortunate because uh, Melita is is an APS teacher. So basically, you know, they were both off then at the same time, even though we didn't quite know what the outlook was or what we were going to do. We we didn't have issues that I'm sure a lot of people have um, related to child care and things like that. So we were fortunate in, in that regard. Their big thing was missing their friends. That was their big thing. Like, oh, no, are we going to be able to hang out with our friends? And what are we going to do about our friends? So that's been the hard part for them. Truth, I, you know, I, I may be having a unique reaction, but I don't get a lot of time home with my kids. I work crazy hours, you know, as a minister and the amount of uh, time that I give to my community is really a lot. And so I've been delighted to get more time with my kids, to be home, 
So for me, this has been sort of a blessing. Finally, I asked the parents if they were worried. Are they worried about the future for their kids' education? And also, how do they talk to their kids about it? What type of perspective are they giving them? To a certain degree, yes. You know, it's, it, it seems like they're preparing to do more online stuff to adjust for this. So there's a different challenge to, the, to that online education thing that I, I think will come up. You know, when you're in a class environment, it's hard enough to pay attention. You know, doing online classes could could be a challenge to that attention span. You know, the, all the kids are different. So I've got my youngest, Tajay, is, you know, online learning is slightly torturous for him. He's really kinesthetic. He's a hands-on guy. I think this long term for him would be really stressful. And so I'm already thinking about, you know, what are some of the resources going around right now that are going to be more engaging than just staring at a screen? You know, aside from aside from keeping them busy, and, you know, we've got two different age brackets, right? We've got a seven-year-old who just, you know, she misses her friends and she wants to go out and play. And, you know, she understands that there's a, that there's a virus going around, but she doesn't, she's not hitting these, these major, you know, life milestones um, as of now, aside from, you know, missing her friends and wanting to get out and play, you know, for the older one, you know, having big missing out on something that's so um, significant, you know, the thing, the biggest thing is trying to put things into perspective and, and remind him that, you know, this is this is a tough deal and it's, and it's devastating. But when you look at the big picture and there are actually people out there getting sick and, and dying, um, you know, we we all have to uh, have to do our part. This morning, I, I wanted our daughter to understand more. And I found an article that was this. There's a site, newzella.com, that it changes the article based on the grade level or the reading level. And so I put it like on a second grade reading level. So she could read it and then, you know, explain it to me. And it was about coronavirus. And just so she could kind of, and, you know, it talked about social distancing in there. It talked about, you know, you hear corona and COVID-19, which is it? You know, it described it. And, and I made her, because I'm a teacher, I made her, like, highlight, you know, <laughs> parts. And then I was asking her questions. But she was, like, reading it and starting to, like, understand it and asking me questions. So um, I think, you know, the more she learns too about it, the more she's going to understand. It's called Newsella, N-E-W-S-E-L-A, and I did notice that they have it for free for the next 30 or 60 days. I was just going to say one thing, and I think, um, you know, to Melita's point, I don't think that we're really also, I don't think that we're really trying to keep too much away from them. Like, you know, we've, we've been watching the news and following, you know, what's going on and all the reports and everything, and you know, we watch it, and if they come in, we're not turning it off or, or trying to keep anything from them. Um, you know, she'll ask questions, and and we just we just talk to them, give them honest answers, and um, as opposed to just trying to hide things for them. So you know, right, because in, in her in her seven year old mind, when she first heard of Corona, she's like, "Yeah, you get Corona, you die." And we're like, "No, no, no, hold on, let's back it up a little bit. Let's teach you. Hold on." Right. Yes, some people do, but hold on, let's learn about this. You know, so. Of all the things we should teach our kids, the main thing we should teach them is love. You heard from Reverend Amani Malika, Mr. Robert Parker, and Chad and Melita Cooper. 
Education can be overwhelming for professionals, so one would expect parents to struggle after they are thrust into the position of being the primary educator. I wanted to get some tips for parents on how they can engage with and talk to their kids about the coronavirus, their education, and what this new reality means. So I reached out to a former colleague of mine, Kathleen Moore. She is a fantastic counselor at Amy Beal High School. I wanted to get some tips on how to work with your kids in this new world. Kathleen, thanks for being with me. Absolutely. Thank you, Khalil. So how are you doing in general with this? Are you taking everything in stride? Are you okay right now? Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm doing fine. It's, you know, I feel pretty privileged and just lucky to have the basics that I need and just having this extra time is a luxury in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, I'm grateful. Thank you. Yes, that's good. We're all gaining some perspective with the extra time on our hands. Now, let me ask you, when you heard of school being shut down, that that was the next moves, what was your reaction? Yeah, it's a good question. I was walking into Walgreens to pick up something and I, I got this flash from uh, on my phone that APS had shut down school and I had this super emotional reaction. I was kind of angry. I was like, how can that have happened? Do our kids need to be in school? You know, and then I cycled through the whole like understanding, well, it is absolutely it is the best thing to do. Kids need to be separated. We have to have some space so this virus doesn't spread. But yeah, I was really worried about kids and just how much of a lifeline school is for them right now. So I had a pretty pretty big reaction just internally, like, oh, no, this is huge. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt, too. I said, when they're shutting down schools, when they shut down the schools and they shut down sports, I was like, everybody get ready. We're in for one big-time ride. Now, do you know how the students reacted when they heard the news? Yeah, so we had school the next day. If I'm thinking through correctly, that the APS said on a Thursday that Friday would be our last day. So we all came to school Friday and I think everybody was a little bit in a daze, like kind of behavior was really low key and kids were just, you know, kind of hanging in there, but also like, what's going on? Like, why are we not going to school? And and our school has uh, an extended spring break. So this was really just one week earlier than our already two week break because we're on a kind of a modified year round schedule. So, yeah, I think everybody was sort of just in a daze, just a really strange thing. It's never happened before. And as I think about like how this affects teenagers and families, like just full disclosure, I don't have teenagers at home. I think the only thing harder than having a bunch of teenagers at home is having the little ones at home. Just thinking through that this is all unprecedented. There's no guidebook for having teenagers at home 24-7 for what's at least three weeks now. Yeah, at least, and which may be a little bit longer. And I wanted to ask you that, you know, parents are having problems keeping their kids engaged with classes and online homework, online classwork, I should say. And I've talked to several parents today for a part of this show in this episode. The one thing that they're all emphasizing is to be able to create a schedule. But I just got off the line with an educator who's like, I am a teacher for APS, and I'm realizing that I'm having a hard time because my daughter doesn't see me as Mrs. Cooper, the teacher, she sees me as mom. And that's something that's difficult. So what are some tips? How can parents really talk to their kids, particularly teenagers, about how to kind of take their coursework a little bit more seriously, even though they have a tremendous amount of free time on their hands? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think if we were realistic, the default for teenagers would be to sleep until noon and then be plugged in until midnight. And so I think our our job as parents and or educators is to think about how we can kind of kindly interrupt that default. And one thing that I found really helpful is the idea of kind of identifying five things that they can contract to do every day. Could be some five things such as exercise, read for 10 minutes or more, 
reach out to one person to see how they're doing, maybe some kind of 10-minute mindfulness or meditation activity. And then, like, number five, something that contributes to the family, like check in on an elder or something like that. And, you know, put it on a chart and have some motivation around it that, like, you get more screen time when you do these five things every day. I think it's really important for teenagers to stick to a sleep schedule. That's a, Sleep is, is one of the biggest protective factors in not getting sick. That's really important in, you know, not getting any kind of illness, but especially this one. I think it's also important for parents to remember not to take away social media entirely. For a teenager, it's their lifeline. Like it's what they need to feel connected. And it's got to be really excruciating for all parties involved to, you know, have these kids at home 24-7. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be very tough. And, you know, a social aspect of school, middle and high school, is very important. Kids may not want to come to school, but they definitely want to go hang out with their friends and talk to them. And say you have a teenager who's very pretty at middle school, high school, who's depressed. I can't see my friends. I've got neighbors across the street that I have to wave to across the street. We can't even hang out as they normally would on a spring break, a more traditional spring break. What can parents do to kind of pick up the spirit of their child who is missing their friends and missing the social aspect? of being in school? Yeah, that's such a tough question. Again, like set some kind of a schedule, having them commit to doing a few things a day just to keep them energized and moving and talking with them every day. Like, hey, this is really tough. Like, I, I get it. And it's it's important for them to feel like uh, it's normal for them to be feeling kind of anxious and depressed. Like, they're home all the time now. It's also a cool thing about teenagers and, and older middle school kids is that they can think about this in a really thoughtful way and join with kind of the adults in the family of thinking about like, it's a great thing that we're kind of confronted with now. It's a great lesson in math and science. You know, there's some crazy things that they can learn about the coronavirus that are really interesting that might help them feel like they're getting out of themselves a little and maybe might feel better by kind of engaging in a little bit of what's happening in the world right now. It's a great lesson in the kind of connection to service and the common good right now. At Amyville High School, we have a curriculum. It's called Facing History and Ourselves. And we use it as part of our humanities program. And it's a great thing to reference right now. It's kind of like our, what is our role in society right now as a perpetrator, a bystander, or an upstander, or a victim? I think the depression and anxiety can be mitigated a little bit if they start thinking thoughtfully about this and really investigating what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, I like that. That helps out. Now, let me finally ask you, do you have any tips for parents just to reduce the stress in the entire household? Parents are stressed unless they've been in education. They have no idea what it's like to be the primary educator of their child suddenly. Obviously, we talked about some of the things that can lead the students and the kids to be upset. What are some things the entire household can do to kind of take the load off? I think um, getting outside and getting exercise is huge, you know, just to reduce that anxiety and depression also realize that they're going to mess up, people are going to get angry and say things they don't mean. There's a British psychoanalyst named Donald Whitacott that I remembered from social work school, and he had this idea of what's called the good enough mother. And uh, the good enough mother is a mother who sets boundaries around herself or father around himself, does her own thing that they need to take care of, you know, models kind of ways to be good independently and fails kids in kind of tolerable ways that actually, you know, help kids to like learn to, to do on their own. So I think just having a reality check around this, like parents can't be, be perfect. They don't know how to, to do online work with their kids or, or administer online work. I don't think that that's even something we're necessarily moving to. Who knows? But just the idea of it's okay to mess up, reality checking, get outside, get fresh air, beautiful out right now. 
and just keep communicating with your with your kids and allow them once in a while to, to go into their rooms and close the door and get on their devices and do their thing. I think it's important to not let them kind of disappear into social media and, you know, online stuff. But knowing that that's what their default is right now, just to be able to to maintain sometimes is really important. It is truly important. Well, I want to thank you so much for your words of wisdom and your guidance. I know a lot of parents who are going to listen to this are going to be very, very thankful for it. She's Kathleen Moore, counselor at Amy Beal High School. Kathleen, thanks again for being with me. Stay healthy, okay? Thank you so much. You too, Khalil. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. For each show, we take time to talk to a public official heading up different aspects of government response and resources. Today, on the theme of parents and kids, my guest is Carol Pierce, Director of Family and Community Services for the City of Albuquerque. Carol, thank you for being with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So tell me, what are your concerns right now for parents and kids? Well, my, um, I don't know if it's concerns. I just think we all need to adhere to what our governor has asked us to do, which is social distancing. I like to say it's really physical distancing because social interactions are always important, but that can happen in all kinds of new ways with all the technology we have with FaceTime or just picking up a phone and calling a loved one if they don't live with you. So I think the physical distancing is really important. I think also I always like to kind of find any silver lining. And I think there's some really great opportunities for families to be interacting, to playing games or being in their backyard if they have a backyard or getting out a piece of paper and drawing. So I think it's a really important opportunity for folks to stay home, be together, be loving and kind and to really physical distance. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, you mentioned people staying at home with their kids, families. Now, we know sometimes, particularly if you've got teenagers and what have you and a bunch of them, stress levels can get very high when people are stuck in the house and they're not allowed to leave. So how can families mitigate the stress levels in their house? Well, I think it's really important. While we all need to stay home and limit activity, we really can still get exercise and walk around our block or go for a run. I can say that I have a teenager and that's what I'm trying to do at some point at the end of a day, maybe a long day, is to go for a a run in my neighborhood. And I think we both look forward to that family time. And that's still um, a healthy, positive thing to do and still complies with what we need to do for social and physical distancing. It makes it work. It makes it work. Now, for parents working from home, how do you recommend people kind of navigating that time, navigating the schedule of work time, and then trying to handle childcare and their kids' education? Oh, wow. You know, I do think it's a challenge. I, 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 I wouldn't say that it's easy. And I'm seeing that with my own team as people are working from home and we're having a lot of phone calls and seeing a lot of young people peek their head into a, a camera and waving. I think it's tough. I think books are always good, setting up any kind of play areas that you can. But I mean, it's tough. I think parents are putting parameters, giving time for a conference call, and then we'll go for a walk around the block or just giving some of that kind of structure. Yeah, the structure is very important for everybody. Now, what type of services is the city offering to families right now to help them get through this? Right now, our community centers are offering youth programming 
for those families that really need it, meaning those families have to go to work, they're a nurse, they're a clerk, a somebody that's on the front line, they're in the health system, or they're a bus driver. Those folks that do need to keep our city running, even though we're really trying to have limitations, our community centers are offering youth programming for youth six and above. And it's our great youth programming that we do all the time, which includes recreation. It includes crafts. It includes books. It includes education. I will say that we often use playground equipment that's near a community center. And with the recent public health order from the governor, we're no longer using those playgrounds that are in a park. We are definitely complying with that. But that is something we're offering it for those families that really need it. Are parks safe? Playgrounds are closed, but parks are open. Are city parks safe for people to go to? Well, absolutely. I think it's important. Our parks, that is one of our great assets here in our community, our open space and parks. So yes, those are open. People can get outside, get some fresh air, go for a walk, go for a run, take your dog if you have a dog for a walk. It's just the playgrounds are closed because of potentially the kids and the cleanliness. And I don't mean cleanliness, but wiping down all that equipment. But parks are safe. That's good to hear. Parks are safe. I live right next to a park and I see people there and You know, my cat leaves the house and goes and walks across the park and asks me why I'm not joining him. And I didn't know. But now that I know, I will join Gary for a nice evening walk in the park. So answer this for me. School is up in the air. We've got a lot of New Mexico students who sometimes are on the edge of dropping out of school. And there are concerns about people not going back when school does resume. What, how do you feel about that? Particularly, I mean, your, your, your position is family and community services is to keep the community safe and together, to keep families together, to kind of ensure that kids get every opportunity they yeah. can to succeed. Dropping out of high school most of the time is not um, on the path to success in that way. How do you feel about that? What can we do to prevent that from happening? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I think about education, it always starts with trusted adults in a family, a mom, a dad, abuela, abuelo. It starts with a family to talk about with your kids the importance of education and the importance of getting through high school and then taking off from there. But whether that means a technical school or college or work, but I think it starts with families talking about the importance of education and going to school. So that's where I would say it it starts. Okay. Now have community members and people and families reached out to you and expressed their concerns? If so, what are some of them? I mean, I think what we're hearing, it is challenging for all New Mexico families when our schools are closed and they're trying to keep a normal life, if you will. I mean, life is not normal right now. So I think it's just really challenging for families to just stay at home, which is important. And I think it's just calling on all of us to be really creative. I haven't heard the specific concerns, but I do know it's challenging for people to keep their families at home. I think it's a time to be extremely creative with our our young kids at home. I want to thank you so much for taking time to be with me. She is Carol Pierce, Director of Family and Community Services for the City of Albuquerque. Thank you again and be well. Stay healthy, okay? Thank you. Let's review the resources we heard about today, okay? Okay. Are you looking for lessons for your kids? Head to this awesome instructional content platform, newsella.com.
NewsLaSalle.com, N-E-W-S-E-L-A.com. Stay up to date with news from the city of Albuquerque. Hit the Community Resources tab. It's the green one. Just go to cabq.gov. You can always find a full list of the resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online at bit.ly slash ynmghub. Also, we want to hear how things are going for you. We really want to hear about it. So call us up, 505-218-7084, and we'll play your messages on our show. Or you can email us at nmgov at gmail.com. Tomorrow's episode, Help Needed, Mutual Aid and Community Response. While this pandemic has placed a lot of people at home left to themselves to ponder the experience that they're living, others are not as fortunate and they're in desperate need. We talk to people who are working to meet the needs of people in the community. That's coming up tomorrow on Your New Mexico Government. Hey, listen in to see how you can be of help. Your New Mexico Government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. News update is by Marisa DeMarco. Music by Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. Your New Mexico Government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation and the New Mexico Local News Fund. You can find this show on KUNM.org or subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone here at Your New Mexico Government, I'm Khalil Colonna. Thanks for listening.